Amen. In the book of Joshua, chapter 1, starting at verse 6, you will find these words. Be strong and of good courage, for unto this people shalt thou divide for an inheritance the land which I swear unto thy fathers to give them. Only thou be strong and very courageous, that thou mayest observe to do according to all the law, which Moses my servant commanded thee. Turn not from it to the right hand or to the left, that thou mayest prosper whithersoever thou goest. I've read to you these two verses, amen, from the King James Version of the Bible, amen. And let us continue in our series of lessons, amen, part two of the recipe for success. You may be seated, amen. The recipe for success. Moses is dead now. The great leader of the Israelites, a man that was anointed by God over 120 years earlier is dead now. The one who at age 40, a man stepped out in front of God to be a deliverer for his people and he tried to love on them, but he loved on them in front of God. Cost him another 40 years on the backside of the mountain where he married a man into the Midianites, amen. And he got a wise father-in-law by the name of Jethro. It is this Moses that is dead, then after 40, day, 40 years of learning came back again at age 80, humbled, amen, and now uh, looking toward the, the strength and the auspices of God to lead God's people. It, it is this Moses who went to Pharaoh and said, the I am that I am said, let my people go. It is this Moses for 40 more years he led the people of Israel through one of the most important exoduses from bondage that has ever been in the life of the Israeli people. It is this Moses who was fearless, amen, who then pronounced plagues by the power of God, 10 of them, that brought massive destruction to the powerful Egyptian dynasty to show them that their polytheistic gods were no match for the one true God. It is this Moses is now dead. And God now calls another leader. And his name is Joshua. God says to Joshua, Joshua, Moses, my servant, is dead. Some may look at this and say, well, it ought to have been apparent that Moses was dead. But I, I would be slow to go, to go to that conclusion because what we find in the book of Jude, amen, or the epistle of Jude, that there was a contention. 
there was a contention between Satan and the archangel Michael regarding Moses' body. Nobody really knew where Moses was buried. As a matter of fact, his whole burial was between him and God. So God now makes a statement for Joshua to know that Moses has not just taken a lonely trip to be by himself. No, he's not gone to a far place to be with me and then he's returning. No, he's telling Joshua that this chapter is now closed. Moses is dead. The same kind of dead that God talks about in the New Testament that says it is appointed unto man once to die and then the judgment. It is this death that Moses has now succumbed to. Amen. But God is saying to Joshua, but the good news is that I'm not dead. God, the God who was with Moses, he tells Joshua, as I was with Moses, so I will be with you. But I don't want you to misinterpret the words that God was giving to Joshua as it relates to how he would be with Joshua. He did not say to Joshua, I'm going to do the exact same things with you that I did with Moses. No, he said, I'm going to be with you as I was with Moses. So Joshua should not uh, get the false impression or expectations that he's going to do the same things that Moses did. Nor will he be required to do the same things that Moses did. Because Joshua is leading a new generation. Remember that everybody over 20 years old, amen, in the wilderness had to die because of their disobedience toward God. No, God is going to lead Joshua a new way. But he's still leading them to the promised land. I I want somebody in here to hear this today because some of us have lived long enough to live through multiple generations of leaders. And they've led things one way and the next have led it another. But God is calling leaders successively to lead his people to the promised land. They may not lead the same way, but their general direction is toward heaven. Amen. And so what we find ourselves in is we find ourselves as well as a church. We're living in a new generation with a new generation of people to meet and a new generation of people to minister to. We must not change the message, but we must change our methods. We're living in a postmodern world today. It's not like the generation in which I grew up in as a kid, amen, where the community was encircled around the church. We are living in a time when a lot of folks' parents haven't went to church, more or less the children. We're living in a postmodern world where folks believe that they can get along without God. Folk ain't studying church, God, or nothing else. It's all about themselves. So we're thrust into that generation, but we are still thrust. And remember, even though the generation has changed, God has not. It's the same God who said, I am the Lord and I change not, is the God whom we serve. It's the same God that we find in Hebrews that says, Jesus Christ, the same uh, yesterday, today, and forever. God has not changed. 
His moral standard has not changed. Folks have gotten technology, but guess what? Sin ain't changed either. So we are still here to be a bright light in a dark, in a dismal world. We must not say just because things have changed and because the communities are not circled around the church as they once was that we ought to put up our purses and our hats and our pocketbooks and go somewhere and go fishing. No, we got work to do, y'all. If, if there was any time that we had work to do, the time is now. We have work to do that it may be somewhat harder than generations have passed, but it's not impossible. Because all things are possible through Christ who strengthens us. Are y'all hearing me today? So we have this man Joshua with the seemingly impossible task of taking on the role of his predecessor, the great Moses, and leading these millions of people into the promised land. But God is saying to Joshua, you do not have to measure yourself according to Moses. Because the same measuring stick that Moses used is me, and I have not changed. As I was with Moses, so will I be with you. But look at the text. He promises him some things. If y'all are paying attention, amen. You look at the text, he says, that thou shalt not any man be able to stand before thee all the days of thy life. He lets Joshua know that I, I've got this thing fixed. So there's going to be some folks that's going to come up against you, but you are going to be more than a conqueror through me. I want you to know, church, if you're going to do something good for the Lord, there are going to be some folks that come up against you. The devil is not going to let you go around here and start talking about the goodness of the Lord and sharing the gospel and taking care of the sick and, and feeding the hungry, amen, and giving water to the thirsty, amen, and leading those who do not know about our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, without a fight. Satan has a kingdom, amen, and he is interested in keeping it just like it is. But the text gives us some encouragement. Even though there's going to be a battle, but you got to look at the text. In the text, the master says to Joshua, verse 6, he says, Be strong and of good courage. For unto this people shall thou divide for an inheritance the land, which I swear unto their fathers to give them. Let's take a minute and unpack this text. One of the things we need to look at in this text is not so much what is there, but what isn't there. What isn't there is he didn't tell Joshua to be smart. He didn't tell Joshua to be deceiving or to be clever. Because God is not working in our own schemes, amen. He's working according to his word. And one of the things here that it also doesn't say is that Joshua is to make himself strong. Now when you look at this text, the commandment to be strong has the implication that God is going to supply his strength. See, without God, we can do nothing. No, it's not that God is looking at Joshua and saying, whoo, you some kind of specimen of a man. 
go ahead on and be strong. No, he's saying, Joshua, you're going to be strong, but be strong in me. I'm going to be your supply. So if you're going to be strong, be strong because I commanded you by my power to be strong. And he's commanding each one of his baptized born believers here today to be strong in the Lord. To be strong, not because we're so strong, but because he's so strong. It's never been about you and me anyway. It's always been about him. It's the whole plan of salvation is from the Lord. It is the Lord who looked down in this world and said, I can't find nobody righteous. So I guess I'm going to roll up my sleeves and bring salvation to this world. See, salvation is of the Lord in the first place. But sometimes we get caught up and we start looking at ourselves and our imperfections and our inabilities and our weaknesses and our shortcomings. And God said, what are you looking at? You're looking at yourselves and you ought to be looking at me. Look at my face and see what I'm concerned about. And you follow what I'm concerned about and everything you need to fulfill that which I have called you to do will be at your hand. Be strong. Because God's commanded. This world is going to hell in a handbasket, y'all. And it's going fast. Folk are just getting so far away. Their, their cognizance about God is getting so distant. Amen. We are those who God has left to keep reminding the world that Jesus still saves. We are the ones that God has left to keep telling little boys and little girls, men and women, of the realities of serving a true and living God. We are the ones... As I've said on times past, if that was not our duty, then when we accepted Christ as our Lord and Savior, he could have said, come on home. We could have went on home then, but no, he has left us to make a difference in this world. We are change agents in this society, whether we take up that mantle or not. We are responsible of being good stewards of the gospel that he has given each and every one of us so that others might know of this reality because God is in the multiplication business. He's growing a kingdom. Amen. As Jesus said, upon this rock I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. That when the gates of hell try to shut it down, that we'll bust right through. But you know what? It starts first with making a step. You can't sit on do-nothing stools and then expect the kingdom to grow. God could do it if he wanted to, but he's decided to do it through you and me. Be strong. Amen. But look at the text. And of good courage. When I started to look at this text, I had every plan of making this a, a two-part series. But as I began to look at this text, I started to see more. And I think we're going to spend a little more time here. Because right here is some key points. Here are some things we really got to grapple with as believers. Because he says, be of a good courage. What is courage? Courage is not being deterred from that which you are meant to do, that which you are called to do, amen, even though you are in the midst of danger. Well. 
King David said it right when he said, Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. You know why? Because he knew that his rod and his staff, huh, they was going to comfort him. He, he knew that the Lord was going to be his protection. And see, we got to get back to Psalm 23 living. Amen. Sister V, we got to know that we know that God is our protection. We got a great work to do and we got to be about the business of the Father. And we can't be uh, without courage. We can't be fearful. Amen. Because we'll be deterred from the work. We'll end up, instead of playing on the field, we'll be on the sidelines. Saying, I'm afraid to get out and play. But the Lord is saying, no, stay out there. Stay on the field and work for me while it is yet day. He continues to remind us, as he did Job, that a man born of a woman's life is short and full of trouble. If you think you can get around trouble just because you got out the game, I think you got another thing coming. Because trouble will still come your way. So you might as well get in the battle and start doing some good work because trouble is going to be there anyway. But I want you to know as well that trouble don't last always. That God still has a refuge for his people. That he still has a place of rest. You fight a little while and you get relief. Because God knows you cannot be in battle all the time. Amen. But when you're in battle, be strong and be of good courage. Don't be deterred by the threats of the world. Because we do not march to their drumbeat. We march to the drumbeat of the Lord. And the Lord has explicitly called us out to be a light unto this dark and dismal world. He says we are the salt of the earth. If the salt loses its flavor, amen, it's good for nothing other than be to throw it in the street and trample under the feet of men. It can't be used to season or preserve anything. We can't lose our flavor. What is our flavor? Our flavor is judgment and mercy and faith and love and grace. Amen. It's taking care of those who cannot take care of themselves. Amen. It is showing the world love by the way we love one another. Then we're salty. Amen. Then we got flavor. The church ought not ever lose their flavor. Because as Reverend Stevens and uh, Deacon Johnson said this morning, amen, we ought to be grateful. We ought to be grateful for all that God has already done for us. He took us up out of the muck and miry clay. He turned us around and he placed our feet on solid ground. So what less should we do but be grateful and get on the battlefield for the Lord, making a difference in somebody else's life so that they might have the same testimony. That one day when they were doing that dirt, that the Lord called their name and they answered. And they saw themselves rising up of the muck and out of the miry, being turned around and placing their feet on solid ground. Just like it was for me one Thursday evening at a cardboard baler. After I was saying and doing whatever I thought I was big enough and bad enough to do. But the Lord called my name and set up situations where I knew that I had run out. And I knew about a Jesus fanatic that was on my job. 
So I made my way to him asking him, what must I do to be saved? Asking him, how do I get to know Jesus for myself? Because I tried everything else and did nothing work. Therefore, waiting right now to talk to one of us, amen, and say, what must I do? What must I do to get to know this Jesus? You don't know where you're going to meet him, but always be ready. Don't hide your light under a bushel barrel, but let it shine so bright. Be strong and of good courage. Because when you see in the text that the Lord has already got this thing fixed. Look what he says to Joshua. He says, for unto this people shall thou divide for an inheritance the land, which I swear unto their fathers to give them. Now, if you look close at this text, the destination and the inheritance was fixed before Joshua ever was. If you're looking at your Bibles, you see that he didn't swear it under Joshua when Joshua came on the scene. Now, the text says that he swore it to their fathers. We can go back to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob who lived many centuries before Joshua ever came on the scene. Because in reality, if you remember that the people of Israel were in Egypt 430 years alone. And they came in during the years of Joseph at the end of the life of Jacob. But the promise was given to Abraham. Two whole generations before Jacob and Jacob's into his children's generation when they enter into Egypt. See, God does not work on our time. Sometimes we want God to hurry up because we're used to microwaves and fast 10-minute cooking. But God don't work that way. God says a a year is to a thousand years, a day is to a thousand years, as a thousand years is to a day with the Lord. He's not on a time clock like we are. But upon the appointed time, whatever he has said, it shall be. He told one of the prophets, he said, write the vision and make it plain. He said, upon the appointed time, it shall speak and not lie. Though it tarry, wait on it. It may not come to fruition as fast as we would love it to happen. But we can't quit throw up our hands and say, what's the use? Because God has not consulted with us when he's going to do something. All he has told us to do is be about the Father's business. Amen. Our job is to be obedient. Amen. Look at the text. When you look at the text, the inheritance was already fixed. And now Joshua is like a, a vessel in the genealogy of getting to what God had already promised. And do you know that you and I are just vessels in the genealogy what God has already promised? Remember God said that down through Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob was coming one who was going to be a blessing to all nations. And to all nations that blessing would be Jesus Christ and Jesus Christ the Lord. And that same blessing has said to you and me as he did to the disciples, as I was sent, so I send you. Because he did not mean for the work to end when he died on the cross. He did not mean for the work to end when he was buried. 
He did not mean for the work to end when he rose from the grave. He did not mean for the work to end when he stepped out on the cloud and went back to glory. He did not mean for the work to end when his apostle Paul was killed and his head was chopped off on Nero's chopping block. No, he meant for it to go on from generation to generation. And now in our postmodern world, he wants it to come through you and I. Because the same God who gave them power of old is the same God who gives us the power today. The same Holy Spirit that guided them is the same Holy Spirit that lives in us today. So we are still part of the plan for the inheritance. There is a great inheritance that's going to the Son of all people from all nations who have trusted upon his name that they will be part of the great coronation and the by and by. Be strong and of good courage, a recipe for success. See, the world measures success in the wrong way. They measure success based on temporal things, like getting fancy cars and fine houses and getting promotions on jobs and more money in their bank accounts and, and golden parachutes and all of that kind of mess. But that's going to burn up in the fire. But the recipe for true success is only what you do for Christ shall last. Amen. Amen. And so now as we see, the Lord then reiterates. He says, only be thou strong and very courageous. He's saying to Joshua, don't get fancy. Just stay strong according to my strength and don't deter don't try to get fancy. Don't come up with special schemes. Just be strong in me. He says in this text, he says, that thou may observe to do according to all the law. Not according to Aesop fables, not according to some wisdom from some man's book, but according to the law. There are volumes of books that's written today that we can get tips for doing ministry. But at the end of the day, it all better boil down to the Word of God. Because it's only by the Word of God that men are saved. Faith comes by hearing and hearing the Word of God. Uh, Paul the Apostle says, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. For it is the power of God unto salvation. We look at the text and he says, which Moses, my servant, commanded thee. Turn not from it to the right hand or to the left, that thou mayest proffer whithersoever thou goest. If you want to know what the recipe for success is, it's being obedient to God's holy word. It's not fancy cars, it's not big houses, it's not fine clothes. But it is the word of God. I was with one of my uncles last night. And he looked over at me. And he's a preacher in Chicago. And he said, uh, Reverend, how's the word? I like that. He didn't ask me how was my work. But he asked me, how's the word? And I don't care what day of the week it is or what season of the life, <laughs> that the word is always going to be just fine. Because God's word is...
is an everlasting word. It never gets old. It's the same word that saved over 2,000 years ago. It's the same word that saves today. It's still as effective as it was in the day of Isaiah chapter 55 when he said through that prophet, my word will not return void. That same word is the word that it is today that we should be using to reach those who don't know him in the pardoning of their sins. How's the word is doing just fine and doing what the master has called it to do? So here today, saints of God, be strong and be of good courage. Don't go to the left and don't go to the right. But stay right down that narrow road of the word of God and everything will be all right. One of these days after we have done all God has asked us to do, we shall stick our swords in the sand of time to study war no more. And in that day, you want to make sure that you have done what God has called you to do. You want to make sure that when he sees you and you see him, that he says, thou good and faithful servant. You've been faithful over a few things. Uh, now I'm going to make you ruler over many. I don't know about you, uh, but if God didn't make me a ruler over many, all I want to do is hear thou good servant. I want to know that the Lord was pleased with my work. I want to know that I can enter in to the gates with thanksgiving, that I can be in those blessed praise and courts with praise, uh, that I know that my business is fixed. Uh, that he's going to wipe every tear from my eye. That he's going to make the former things pass away. That I'm going to live in the by and by. That I'm going to walk those streets of gold. That I'm going to be able to touch the walls of Jasper. That I'm going to be able to see my Savior face to face. In all his glory shining bright. Hallelujah. I don't know today but I get happy right there because I know it wasn't because of how good I've been but how good Jesus has been because one body evening he died on an old rugged cross he hung on that cross from the third to the ninth hour for you and for me he hung there and he bled and he died with the sins of the world on his shoulders ain't that good because my sins were on his shoulders. My line and my backbiting, my mistreating one another was all on his shoulders. When I wasn't thinking about God and doing my own thing, it was on his shoulders. And he died so that I might live. But that's not the end of the story. They took him down on that old rugged cross and they put him in a borrowed tomb. He was in that tomb all night Friday. He was in that tomb all day Saturday. He was in that tomb all night Saturday night. But it was early. Deacon Johnson, it was early. It was early Sunday morning. He got up with all
Because there's enough power to raise my sin sick soul. There's enough power to raise all of our sin sick souls. There's enough power that in that great getting up morning that he's going to raise us from the dead. And we shall be with him forevermore. Ain't he alright? Say yeah. Say yeah. God bless you. God keep you. The doors of the church are open. There may be somebody here today, amen, that has not gotten their business fixed. But it's time to get it ready, amen. Because you don't know the day nor the hour when the Son of Man is coming back. So let us get our business fixed and get right with the Lord today. While the blood is running warm in our veins. The Lord has been so good to us. Amen. And we can't do nothing else but praise his holy name. Amen. Come unto Yeah.